everyone. Nice to see you all here. My name is Doug Fullington. Welcome to the first program of our season. Uh, we have a triple bill for you tonight, all uh, European works uh, spanning about mm, 30-some years, but Cacti, the closer, was made just in 2010, so fairly recent works. Um, I'm going to discuss each one, not quite in the order that we're going to see them tonight. I'm going to cheat a little bit and start with the second one. But um, very happy to answer your questions at any time. I'll leave some time at the end, too. Don't necessarily have to ask about something on the program. If it's something else about the ballet that interests you, that's great, too. So uh, just want to refer you to the program, the casting insert. As you probably know, if you've been coming the last few years, they have a little bit of a different layout for the casting insert. And we include casting for multiple shows on the same piece of paper. So you have to sort of go down each column and find Saturday 9.30 under each ballet, and that's our cast for this evening. First two works are choreographed by Yuri Killian, who's a Czech choreographer that for uh, several decades was the artistic director of Netherlands Dance Theater and a really influential choreographer, particularly in Western Europe, but really his influence has been felt much farther. And if you read uh, Peter Bowles director's notes, you'll see that Peter uh, compares Yuri Killian's influence in Europe to George Balanchine's uh, influence several decades earlier here in the United States. Definitely George Balanchine's works uh, for the New York City Ballet have been uh, very influential on uh, several generations of choreographers. His works are danced not only in the US but around the world. But also Yuri Killian, uh, beginning really in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and really until today, his works have a very uh, strong influence as well. And I'll try and identify a few things about his style that, that contribute to that. I'm not really well versed in Yuri Killian. I've seen uh, mostly what we have here, which is only a few works and, and then a few few other things. But uh, I, I feel like I can talk about a little bit of the style there. I want to start with the second work on the program, Zex Tanza, or Six Dances, and I want to start with that because it was choreographed before Petite Moore, which is our opening work. So let's talk about Six Dances. This is a, a work set to six German dances by Mozart. It was choreographed in 1985. Uh, it's a comic work, and we don't have a lot of comic works in ballet. And uh, when you do have one that uh, uh, goes over well with the audience, I think you need to hang on to it and program it every so often because it makes for a nice mix on a program for sure. And again, we just don't have a lot of comic works in ballet. I guess we're quite serious, but uh, it's fun to have them. I think uh, Killian took his uh, sort of frame of reference from Mozart and from the period, the 18th century, when Mozart wrote these works, the costuming, uh, the dancers wear what looks like 18th century undergarments. Uh, and uh, the men have on uh, sort of the powdered white wigs, and the women have their hair up, but it's all a little bit crazy. Everything's a little bit over the top uh, with the uh, the way the hair is done, and also the way the, the movement style of the ballet goes. Uh, this is broad comedy. There's a lot of physical humor. I call some of it slapstick. 
not all the way to the Three Stooges <laughs> style, but on the on the continuum, definitely. Um, Killian takes a big cue from the rhythm and the feel of the music, so a lot of the movement is tied very literally to the rhythm of the music, which I think just makes its impact that much stronger, because you're not only seeing it, but you're hearing it as well. Everything is, is really connected. So he's got these six uh, dances, and he's got eight dancers, and they perform the dances, but in between, in the silence, that sort of stretched out, and and uh, additional vignettes are staged on, on, uh, on the stage in various places and danced by another group of dancers who were just listed by name in the program, but backstage they're referred to as the megastars. They're a little bit more over the top than the eight dancers. So that's the structure of this work. We have these wonderful dances by Mozart. They're just so sort of ebullient and rhythmic and fun and kind of surprising, but they're, they're also broken up by these separate vignettes that are, that are staged. There are a lot of props in this, this work and a lot derived, again, from 18th century culture. There are uh, fencing foils, rapiers, uh, swords. Uh, there are dress forms that are on rolling casters, and uh, they're the kind where if you stand behind them, it looks like you're wearing the dress. It's a little bit like the photo op where there's the picture and the cutout for your face to go. It's just a little bit different and it moves around. So uh, a number of props in, in this work. What I really enjoy are the notes, the quotes from Yuri Killian. He talks not only about the humor that Mozart invests, but the fact that he was doing so while living at a time of real upheaval. Um, Mozart had his own share of personal problems and health problems, but was also living at, at a time of real uh, political, religious, social upheaval, revolution, and Killian really admired the fact that Mozart could so step away from that somehow and write these works that are so jovial and sort of fun and, and uh, diverting, I guess it might be a term they would use at the time, but we take your mind off the current situation and allow you a few moments of escape. And I think Killian has really run with that in the dance. All right, so that's 1985. We jump forward six years, 1991. That year was the Mozart 200th death anniversary, which sounds slightly morbid, but in the arts, if there's an anniversary like that, it's a great opportunity for a festival or a commission of a work to, uh, uh, in observance of that anniversary and to pay tribute to the composer. So in 91, uh, Killian made uh, Petite Moore, and this is a dance for uh, 12 dancers set to two slow movements from Mozart piano concertos. So really different ambiance here. Very lyrical, very uh, peaceful and even. Uh, just beautiful lyricism in, in the writing. It couldn't be more different from the, the six German dances. What we have here, after an opening in which we, well, first we see all the men, they have those foils, those uh, rapiers, from uh, six dances. But they use them in a completely different way. And in a way, the men are dancing with them as their partners before the, the six women join them on stage. But then we move into a series of six duets. And I think here is where we see 
one of the hallmarks of Yuri Killian's choreographic style, which is just the ultra smooth uh, movement in, in the partnering between the two dancers, almost as though they move like one person. And I don't even mean that in any sort of poetic way. I mean it in quite a literal way. Um, the way that Killian puts together the steps uh, is, is so very smooth. I've not seen the dancers uh, sort of on day one when they first encounter these dances and are being taught by the stage or in the studio and you jump forward several weeks and they're ready for the stage, but there must be a real uh, sort of transformation that takes place as they learn this style and learn how to deliver it in this very, very smooth way. Killian's working in, in, with ballet, classical vocabulary, but sort of, it's what I think we, we'd refer to as neoclassical, a sort of new classicism that takes on more types of movement. So we have some traditional partnering by the hand, by the waist, on the part of both dancers, but then uh, there are other ways to partner. You can partner a foot or an elbow or a head, or there's just an expanded movement vocabulary here. Uh, none of the dancers are on point, they're in bare feet, so the sort of, uh, the point where the, the gravity is, the center of gravity is a little bit lower here, it's a little bit lower to the ground, and I think that contributes to this very smooth aesthetic. But uh, when I think of works by other choreographers in our repertory, say Nacho Duato, Jardi Tomcat, which has the three duets, uh, some of the work by Alejandro Cerudo, uh, which uh, features many duets, we see a similar, very, very fluid and smooth style. And I think, uh, at least in part, that can be attributed to this influence of Yuri Killian. So I think that's one way in which uh, this style that he developed uh, has uh, found its way into the work of, of many other choreographers. Uh, the dress forms also make their way into uh, Petite Moore. And again, quite a, a sort of serious feeling work, but uh, to know that those props came from a very humorous work that we're going to see second, but not first on the program, uh, I just find really interesting. Uh, another aspect of, of not just these Killian ballets, but also Alexander Ekman's Cacti is, is something that I see in the European works, which is just a more uh, sort of frank depiction or frank approach toward uh, sex and sensuality and how it's included in works. Not included for uh, shock value, but just informing the ambiance of the piece. Uh, the French term petit mort, uh, little death, is a centuries old uh, euphemism for sex. Um, it, I sing a lot of early music, it comes up in a lot of madrigals in the Renaissance period or in the medieval period, and it comes up in literature and so forth. So, so that, that sort of overriding reference is there and uh, can inform how we perceive the dance, how we perceive the uh, relationship between the couples as they dance and so forth. And there, is definitely, there are definitely elements of, of more body humor that we see in Zextanza. And that carries over into Cacti as well. Um, Petite Moore is one of the works that uh, a company might acquire when they are interested in the work of Yuri Killian. The Killian uh, 
trust. I'm not sure if it's a trust or how the, the business is set up, but that's usually a work they will suggest as a first work. And that was our first work here at PNB. Then Peter Bowl asked Killian for a second work, and he suggested six dances and said, uh, I like these two works performed together with Petit Moore coming first, and I like a, a musical interlude to play, be played between them. So you'll hear that tonight. You can see it listed on the casting insert here at the bottom of the first column. Uh, an inter interlude is also surprised by Mozart. Uh, it's a divertimento, and it just serves as such a great bridge between the, the very lyrical, um, understated feel of the piano concerto slow movements and the, the really rambunctious feel of the German dances. With this interlude, this divertimento, we have a more upbeat feel. It sounds like we're heading somewhere. We're turning up the sort of uh, the energy, the volume, if you will. They'll bring up the lights a little bit after uh, Petit, but uh, it won't be an intermission. It's just the interlude. And then uh, the lights will go back down. We go directly into six dances. And then we have our one and only intermission for the evening. We have a 25-minute intermission after these two Killian works. And we come back for Alexander Ekman's Cacti. Uh, a really interesting genesis to this work in the program notes, like uh, those for the Killian pieces, have quotes by Ekman. Uh, he was going through a period. He was quite young. I think he was early 20s or mid-20s in 2010 when he made this. He was going through a period of being frustrated about what critics were writing about his work. He's very straight up about it. Uh, particularly, I think, two things. One, critics uh, announcing what, what the work was about, uh, whether or not that was uh, something Ekman had put in writing or said, the critic was declaring, this is what the work is about. And that, that just wasn't sitting well with Alexander Ekman. Also, uh, he didn't like this idea of what he seems to view as over-interpretation or finding deeper meaning in something that is intended really not to have that mean meaning. So with Cacti, he's created this satirical work. Talk about props. This ballet has everything but the kitchen sink. Props and all kinds of media. We have spoken voiceover, which is a pre-recorded track. And this is the, this is the satire of the critic uh, that you will hear periodically throughout this work. Um, the dancers also use their voices. They shout, they talk, uh, they clap, they hit things. They also move and dance. Um, we've got live music, not only in the orchestra pit, but on stage. We've got a string quartet, and they're not just seated in a circle with their music and playing as a, a sort of autonomous entity. Uh, they're up and walking around and interacting with the dancers. Uh, Paige Smith, our principal cellist, has her cello strapped to her with this sort of seat belt type thing, and she's going around the stage as well. Uh, but beyond all the sort of concept behind this work, I think what's, what's really interesting is this interplay between the quartet on stage and the dancers. They have this rhythmic interplay where the string quartet will play, and the dancers will respond in the same rhythm, and then eventually they all work together in a section that's, that's referred to as the jam. There's a, a lot of improvisation going on in the uh, 
the quartet and the dancers are responding and the energy level and is just going up and up and it gets louder and louder and faster and faster and so on. Um, the dancers are restricted. Each, there are 16 dancers. Each of them is restricted for the, about the first half of the piece to a four by four platform that each one of them is on. They're varying heights. Uh, and that's also interesting just to see, okay, how much movement can you get out of a four by four sort of space here? Um, the choreographers set that limit on themselves. Uh, after that, those, those platforms go away and become a construct on stage, and, and it, that opens up for, for more movement. Uh, there is the requisite pas de deux, the requisite duet, uh, but it's not your normal duet. Um, Ekman's given us a version of what might be going on in the minds of the dancers and what kind of conversation they might be carrying on while they're performing this, whether uh, we might view it as a rehearsal situation or a performance situation. I have known dancers who talk through entire duets on stage in performance. Uh, they somehow learn how to do it without being conspicuous. And then we have sort of the, the ending, the sort of final, uh, final punch at the critics at the end. So uh, that's how cacti is put together. Um, yeah, I think it's taking, it's taking a jab at the critics while at the same time trying to be its own you know, work of art in and of itself. So it has been a very popular piece for Ekman. Uh, the notes say that uh, 20 companies have performed the work. I think that number's bigger now. Uh, but again, it has a lot of comedic, humorous elements, and we don't have a lot of those works. You're getting two of them tonight, two out of three. So it is, it's an unusual night. Uh, here at PNB for the, the, the feel and the type of works, but it's certainly, uh, these are certainly works that are uh, informing the repertory of, of companies, not only in the U.S., but Europe and elsewhere, too. So those are our three works. Um, we do have post-performance Q&A tonight. Uh, our artistic director, Peter Bull, will be here with Yuki Takahashi. Uh, Yuki, you'll see her perform in Petite Moore, one of the duets. She's paired with Jonathan Batista, and she's also in the uh, ensemble in Cacti. So she'll be able to speak to those works. You can come down and hear uh, from Yuki and Peter, ask them questions, discuss the show, uh, and let the parking garage empty out. So um, it's always a good thing. So everyone, please feel welcome to do that. Now we have uh, a few more minutes. And I'd be happy to, to answer any questions, sure. Do you have a special role tonight? Uh, I have a special role in Cacti. I'm uh, conducting the orchestra. We have all of about seven or eight minutes uh, to play. It is like being shot out of a cannon because it's very, very fast. I think that is part of the satirical aspect of the piece is that we're playing probably a little faster than, uh, than we should be. But uh, it's fun. So uh, I was able to do, do it back in 2018, and I guess they thought, I've already done it, I can do it again. So fingers crossed every, every show for sure. Yeah. Uh, anybody else with a question? Yes, please, thanks. So you're not responsible for keeping the dancers and the cactet and the orchestra all together? How is that happening? Fortunately, I'm not. The question is, am I responsible for, for essentially the string quartet or the cactet, as they call themselves? Uh, There's a nice interview with them in the program. Um, they're completely autonomous, so I only have to uh, work with the orchestra. 
So I, I have a stool that I sit on for about the first seven minutes until our lights come up, and then we go, and then we, there's about ten minutes after we're finished that the, 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 the piece continues. So yeah, lots of, lots of constituent parts in this, in this piece for sure, so, but mine's limited to just uh, what's going on in the pit. Uh, sure, yeah. Are there any changes to the company after this summer? You know, there. that's a good question. Are there any changes to the company? Promotions, new dancers? Not yet. We, at PNB, those things tend to sort of be on, be uh, done on a rolling basis rather than all at once at the top of the season. So I expect that as we move through the fall and maybe even into the new year that we'll see some promotions, that we'll see some uh, new dancers. I know we're going to have apprentices during the season. You'll see none are listed in the program. That's because they aren't on contract yet. But I think either Rep 2 or Nutcracker, we'll see, we'll see that fill out and a little bit of shifting in the ranks. Um, so that's, that sort of has tended to be the, the, the MO here for good couple decades now, the, the rolling basis. How many have seen, uh, how many saw Cacti when it was uh, in the rep last time, 2018? So a few people, okay, all right, all right. In the before times. 2018 seems like a long time ago now, given everything that's, that's happened, but I guess it really wasn't all that, all that long ago. Um, I guess looking ahead, we've got just to a little preview of Rep 2, a wartime elegy by Alexei Ratmansky, which is a work that's very uh, of the moment because it uh, is in reference to the war in Ukraine, uses uh, beautiful music by Ukrainian composers and folk music. Uh, Donald Byrd's Love and Loss, which was made for us several seasons back, is coming back. And then Danny Rowe, who is the new artistic director at Oregon Ballet Theater in Portland, is creating work for us. It has a commissioned score. So we're really excited about that. Also the fact that she's close by, it's a nice partnership there. So that is uh, another triple bill coming up in the next rep. And then Nutcracker uh, is coming up as well. So always uh, Nutcracker is a great ballet for dancers to sort of um, take on new roles and sort of start doing soloist work, start doing principal work, and then we see that we see that uh, casting sort of moving out into into works like we have on the program tonight, and then other full-length ballets. So that's sort of what the fall looks like. Anyone else before we go? Yeah, please. I don't think Gary Killian is still the director of NDT, Netherlands Dance Theater. I haven't really kept up. I think, and actually I'm quite sure that he's not. I don't know if he has an emeritus title or what his relationship with the company is. He did make about 100 works for them, so the legacy is very, very strong. So I assume there is a relationship that he, he has with them. No, he does not stage. She sends representatives out. So um, our stager for uh, the Killian pieces, whose name I'm going to forget if I don't look. Uh, yeah, Stefan Zaromsky. Stefan was an original cast member of the Moore, which was great. 
So he was there as it was created and was able to pass on everything he learned. He said he had also, over the course of his career, performed all six duets. So I don't know if there's anyone else that's done that. So I think we got a really great person. Likewise, uh, Alexander Ekman didn't come to teach cacti. Uh, uh, Anna, Anna Maria Lukachu came, who is um, someone who has staged cacti all around the world many, many times. So in Anna Maria, we also got a very qualified person who was able to communicate uh, the intentions of the choreographer. And those stagers, unsung heroes, they're responsible for teaching every part, making sure the music's right, the whole thing's right, looking right, the lighting and all. I mean, there, there are other people involved in that, but the stager is really the sort of overseer of, of the, whole, the whole piece on behalf of the choreographer. So, yeah, very important job that they, that they do. So we had two great ones for this rep. It really... It tells, too, in the really high morale that the dancers have and energy going into the, these works. They're very excited about performing them, and I think the working, the preparation experience was very positive for them. So I think that's a great note to end on. We have curtain in half an hour. Remember, just one intermission tonight, post-performance Q&A here. Everyone's welcome afterwards. Thank you for being here and supporting the ballet, and enjoy the evening.